following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our scripture lesson today comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as this in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And now I will pray for Logan as he comes up. Father, I pray that you would bless Logan with the words that we need to hear tonight and that you would bless us to be open to hearing those words. Amen. Hi, everyone. My name is Logan, and I worship here at St. Nick's with you all. So our passage tonight is a favorite to many. Many of you have probably heard this text preached and taught numerous times. It is for this reason tricky for me to preach on this text because our familiarity with it makes it so we think we already know what it means. We're just too used to it. For example, perhaps many of you have heard that the phrase, the eye of a needle, refers to a small gate in Jerusalem which camels could pass through if they got on their knees. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore this part. <laughs> I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but before we get into this text, it just has to be stated that no gate ever existed. I'm sorry for all of the bubbles that I'm bursting right now, but please bear with me. Um, and so hence, I will not be basing my sermon around that text. Anyways, now that the ground clearing is done, for the majority of this sermon, I want to help us hear this story afresh. I want to help us make this text feel unfamiliar, strange even. I want to help us experience it as something brand new. And so the best way to do this, I think, 
is to creatively retell this story of this rich man. And that's what I'm going to do for the majority of this sermon. So, once upon a time, in an old town in ancient Judea, there was a very rich man. Let's call him Simeon. He had great wealth. He was born into a powerful, well-off Jewish family. Their property was massive. Multiple buildings on a single, vast farmland. Simeon's parents were generous with their possessions. Since there were many poor and hungry people in their town, once per week his family would host an evening meal for anyone who was hungry. His parents regularly took him to the local synagogue. They were always seated, however, in a special row in the front dedicated just for their family. Simeon's parents had funded the construction of the synagogue, and their family name was on a large inscription outside the synagogue. The whole town knew who they were, and they were beloved for their generosity. Every morning right as the sun rose, young Simeon would be woken up by his mother and father praying a particular scripture. It went something like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, in all your soul, and in all your strength. His parents also said it at sundown every evening. He had woken up to this prayer every day for as long as he could remember, but he wasn't always sure what it meant. There were other commandments that he understood and obeyed just fine. Honor your father and mother, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't kill people, and so on. Not too hard. But the words of this morning and evening prayer were tricky. The language sounded somewhat archaic and weird to him. So one day when he was about 10 years old, Simeon went to his mother just after they finished their morning prayer, and he said, Mom, what does in all your heart, in all your soul, and in all your strength actually mean? Appreciating her son's curiosity, she smiled and looked deeply into his eyes with compassion. For a moment, she took it all in. What a wonderful moment to hear her son so curious about the scriptures. Ah, yes, she replied. It does sound a bit old-fashioned, doesn't it? Well, in all your heart means that we should love God with all of our inner self, our thoughts, imagination, and intentions, she said. In all your soul, she explained, means to love God with all of your body. And in all your strength means to love God with all of your possessions. That's why, little Simeon, we have dedicated so much to build our local synagogue and feed the hungry each week. Because there is one God... All things come from him, and so we dedicate all that we have to him and to others. Eager to follow in his parents' footsteps, he decided that he too wanted to pray this prayer every morning and evening. He never failed to say this prayer. As time went on and Simeon grew older, grew older he changed. When he was 19, his parents unexpectedly passed away from an illness. Simeon inherited everything from his parents, but he did not follow in their generous footsteps. He hoarded his possessions. When the synagogue that he had attended from his youth was in disrepair, the leaders of the synagogue asked if his family would be willing to make another donation to fund the repairs. He was startled by the audacity of this request. Do they seriously want more money? No, he retorted. 
My family has done enough, I think. Thanks. Nevertheless, of course, they still let Simeon sit in his special synagogue seat, which is really, in the end, what mattered to him. He also stopped doing the weekly meals for the hungry. He didn't really see the value in it. He thought, if they aren't working hard enough, why should I give them food? And what would one meal per week do anyway? My generosity isn't going to bring them out of poverty, is it? So instead, he decided to host and feed the families of various political leaders that he had met during his childhood. During these meals, he leveraged his generosity to the powerful to reduce taxes for himself. Look, he would say, why would you tax a friend like me? I'm hosting you. I'm giving you a meal. If you're lacking money, why don't you take it from the masses of middle-class people in my town? As when he was a child, however, he still had a passion for studying and learning about the scriptures. So he would often host renowned teachers of the law to have them teach him so he could learn. One day in the local market, he overheard a number of people speaking about a wise teacher of the law whom many of them had just encountered. Simeon wondered why the wise teacher didn't make an effort to come to his house. Surely he could have shown this teacher a better hospitality than anyone else in the town. Nevertheless, he brushed it off, excited about the prospect of learning more about scripture. So he asked them, where can I find this guy? They replied, well, he just left with his students to make his way over to the next town. Take the road going west, and you might just catch him in time. He eagerly sprinted back to his house, hopped on his camel, and darted off to catch him. After about 30 minutes, he saw a handful of guys walking. He jumped off his camel, tied it to a tree close by, ran to the teacher, and fell on his knees. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Without missing a beat, the teacher replied, why do you call me good? There is no one who is good except one, who is God. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. So Simeon was a bit perplexed by the first part. What does this dude mean, there is no one good except one who is God? So he just brushed it off. Ignoring the first part, he let it go, and he focused on the second part of the teacher's words. And from this, he felt fully validated. Teacher, he said with relief, I've kept all of these since my youth. There was a moment of silence. The wise teacher just stared at Simeon for about 15 seconds. Simeon looked back at the teacher, perplexed. Looking into the teacher's eyes, Simeon was surprised to feel like the teacher's eyes were full of compassion. He looked into his eyes and felt, well, loved. He was immediately reminded of something, of someone else, of some encounter in the past. Had he met this teacher before? He wasn't sure. The silence continued. Eventually, after what felt like a lifetime, the wise teacher replied, but you still lack one thing. The words hit him like a ton of bricks. Had he not kept all the commandments? His head started to spin. What could I lack? The teacher continued, go, sell what you own 
and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Simeon was speechless. He could not think of any commandment in Scripture that said to sell everything and give to the poor. How could this so-called wise teacher say that he needed to do this to inherit eternal life? Simeon stared back sternly at the teacher, disappointed. Saying nothing, he turned away, slightly annoyed and offended now. And just as he was reaching his camel, he overheard the teacher say, How hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? The teacher was using him as an example. He became further annoyed and just rode off. As he made his way home, he couldn't get that, some of those aspects of that interaction out of his head. Why did the teacher have that weird reply, there is no one good except one who is God? What kind of cryptic nonsense is that? And as he continued to ride home, he realized the sun was setting. So he got off his camel to pray the evening prayer that his parents had taught him from his youth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Immediately, it clicked. He remembered where he had seen that look before, those eyes. The teacher's eyes reminded him of his mother. The teacher had looked at him with the same compassionate eyes as when his mother first explained the meaning of the prayer. He heard her words once again. Because God is one, all things come from him, and so we give all that we have to him and to others. And then it hit him. There is no one who is good except one who is God. The wise teacher was quoting the prayer that he prayed every morning and evening from his youth back at him. He fell down and wept, realizing that he had not followed this commandment. He had not loved God with all of his strength. He had not loved God with all of his possessions. Back over with the teacher, the students were perplexed by this statement that it was difficult for a man to enter the king, a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They learned all their life that the rich were rich because God favored them for their or their parents' righteousness. Either way, if anyone was going to enter the coming kingdom, it was the rich that surely had the best shot. Perhaps they thought we've simply misunderstood our teacher. The teacher realized that he had confused the students. This often happened. So he made the same point again, this time said it a bit more slowly. And since they had just seen a man ride off with a camel, he decided to use it as an example. Children, how hard is it for someone to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. They knew what sewing needles looked like. They were minuscule. They knew what camels looked like. They had just saw one. They were massive. Jesus was basically saying that this is essentially impossible. They didn't misunderstand him. But the students were now more troubled by the statement. If it is impossible for the rich who are blessed and favored above all by God to enter the kingdom, what does it mean for us? One of them blurted out, 
Well, in that case, how could anyone like us escape God's judgment? The teacher looked back at them, slightly disappointed. They still didn't get it. He had already told them once before that in the kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. So he elaborated. While this may be impossible in the eyes of humans, in the eyes of God it is not, because God doesn't abide by the expectations of humans. Anything is possible when it comes to God. And so the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Thus ends our story. Because there is one God from whom are all things, we are to direct the entirety of ourselves to the service of God. Having material possessions is deeply dangerous. They constantly pull on us to love our stuff to the exclusion of loving God and neighbor. Do we love God with all of our inner self, with all of our body, and with all of our possessions? And if not, how should we do this? For some of us, it will mean selling all that we have, giving to the poor, and living a minimalist life of service. And this was, as we heard, the path of Sundar Singh, whom we celebrate today. Born in 1889 to a Hindu family, he converted to Christianity when he was 16, and he dedicated his life entirely to the Lord, living a minimalist life of service, preaching, and serving others. The quote which Aaron read at the start is worth hearing again. I am not worthy to follow in the steps of my Lord, but like him, I want no home, no possessions. Like him, I will belong to the road, sharing the suffering of my people, eating with those who will give me shelter, and telling all men of the love of God. Sundar Singh sharply criticized both British colonialism and the materialist form of Christianity that they exported to and imposed on the rest of the world. Who among us may be called to follow in his generous footsteps? Who among us is hearing that same call that was placed on the rich young ruler to sell our possessions, give to the poor, and have treasure in heaven? While not all are called to such a radically ascetic life, what we all are called to do is radically direct all of our possessions, all of our strength, towards love of God and neighbor. The story of the rich young ruler and Sundar Singh press us harshly with the question, and may we not ignore it, do we love God with all of our being, our inner self, our body, and our possessions, everything which is in our power, everything which is in our strength? Do we treasure Jesus more than our own treasures? And are we willing to put ourselves in positions of even economic vulnerability for God and for others? The good news is that God has made a way to restore and transform our hearts through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Indeed, with God, all things are possible. 
God can transform us to utilize and to sell our possessions for love of God and neighbor. And in that light, let us take up our cross. Let us be eager to use and sell our possessions for love. And let us trust in God's power to show us patient mercy and transformative grace to become people of such generosity. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.